listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience, a podcast dedicated to helping executives train their sales and marketing teams to optimize growth. Whether you're looking for techniques and strategies or tools and resources, you've come to the right place. Let's accelerate your growth in three, two, one. Welcome, everyone, to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. I'm your host, Chad Sanderson, and today we're taking a little bit different tact than some of the other episodes you've probably listened to. Uh, We're going to talk to one of the newest members of the Value Prime Solutions team, David Schatz, who's a new managing partner with us. Um, We're going to talk about his background, uh, give you guys some insights into what he's bringing to the table for our clients and for those that are interested working with us, and then also dig into you know the three things he thinks you revenue executives out there should hear that you're probably not listening to. So, David, welcome to the show thanks chad i'm honored and uh and a little humble <laughs> i don't know that i'd go that far but um oh. do appreciate you taking the time we all know time's the most valuable thing we have so i do appreciate it but uh let's just start with your background how'd you get into sales oh i can i can take you pretty far back i would say to when i was in fifth grade and i started selling gum by the piece <laughs> so uh, you laugh but um, mom would buy me the gum, so my cost of goods sold was zero, 100% profit. <laughs> and I did that until I probably got caught with a huge pocket of loose change um, by the principal. She called home and said, hey, this is probably not a good idea to be selling gum. But meanwhile, I had the entire fifth grade class lined up. There was three classes, and they were all lined up outside of my classroom giving me 10 cents a piece for gum. So I got a little, little bit of a, a taste of, of sales there, and, and really probably two more important um, incidents in my life forced me or, or kind of I, where I gravitated towards sales. The second one, I would say, would be probably um, organic chemistry, I would say. I went into college as pre-med, beating my chest, I'm going to become a doctor. <laughs> and then I, I met a, uh, a tough gentleman I like to call organic chemistry. Got a D in organic chemistry. Uh, Dad looked at my transcript, said, I'm not paying for Ds. It might be time to change your major. So I changed my major to entrepreneurial studies with a kind of a focus on sales. And I think the third pivotal moment, which is what really got me into my sales career, was I started working at a, a software company right out of college in customer support. Great way to learn a product. And I was making 10 bucks an hour. Um, it may not sound like a lot, but it was 1994. Probably still, still wasn't a lot. <laughs> So first week, I'm uh, Mr. Gung Ho, love the job, love talking to customers, and I worked 50 hours, I look at my paycheck, and I got paid for 40. So I went to my boss and I said, hey, what's what's going on? He said, oh, this is a 40-hour-a-week job, doesn't matter how often or how long you work, we're going to pay you for 40 hours. And I, he said, uh, if you want to make more money, you get into sales. So six weeks later, I was a sales rep, a very green sales rep. And that was 1990, uh, probably late 1994, early 1995, and I've been in uh, been in sales ever since. Excellent. And so, as you go through your career, what made you decide to kind of, you know, I've been told I, I've jumped the fence, right? I was in marketing first, and then I went to the dark side and went to sales, and now I've gone to the apparently the even darker side of sales enablement. What made you make the decision to come to Value Prime Solutions? Well, I was trained um, on the value selling framework probably in late, the late 90s, early 2000s, by Rick Mackinich. Mr. Mackinich. <laughs> the legend. <laughs> the legend. 
And Rick and I, we would talk probably once or twice a year, which is pretty rare, I think, for a, a sales trainer and uh, an attendee, a young attendee. I think I was probably 25, 26 at the time Rick trained me. But I gravitated towards the framework, have used the framework really in, in every position I've held since Rick trained me. And Rick would always take my call. We would always spend more than just 30 seconds on the phone. And I always toyed with, hey, when I have the experience, I'd love to be the next, although that bar is set pretty high, the next Rick. That is a very high bar. <laughs> very, very high bar. I'll probably never reach that. Yeah. But um, the way Rick delivered the class, the way Rick took the time to learn our business, and I was at a company selling to not-for-profits, which is a very different, what we thought was a very different sale. And Rick always had an answer to our questions. And we had some tough questions for Rick, but he took the time to learn our business and the framework that he brought to the table just seems so simple yet powerful. I know that sounds like a commercial, but it's, <laughs> it's really not when you are out in the field using it to great success. So right. that's what, finally, it just, um, you know, I had a couple of positions where I had some exits. And finally, um, probably back in, uh, in 2015, I opened up my own consulting business and I really wasn't prepared to deliver the framework, wasn't certified. Um, we're still talking to Rick once or twice a year, and then um, a couple of months ago, it just seemed like a, a great fit, and it was time to make the jump. Excellent. Well, we're extremely excited to have you on the team. Thank you. Um, so, because you mentioned consulting, and you've done, you know, you've worked with clients, you got a, a story, a funny story about consulting in your experience that that you always go back to or tell at cocktail parties. I can try. Um, <laughs> I've been told by, by my son and my wife that my humor is, is my humor and it's not really funny. Stop, <laughs> with, stop with the dad jokes. Um, so my, uh, I guess if I take you back, I might be dating myself, but I didn't see this episode live. But if you remember the old uh, Odd Couple with yep. Tony Randall. Oh, yeah. And he writes on the board, um, assume. We'll never assume anything. Because when you assume something, and he's, I think he circles uh, the, the first three letters of the word, you make an ass out of you and me when you assume something. Yep. So literally, my first meeting, I was a green consultant, and I was meeting with a friend, and I was, I was doing two things. I was helping get software developed with entrepreneurs, getting mobile apps developed and enterprise software developed by just farming them out to a network that I had established of development shops. And I was also trying to do sales consulting. So I go into this meeting, and I'm assuming and then I'm going to sell these guys an app. Easy sale. <laughs> Friends of mine. And we talk for maybe 10 minutes. Their eyes glaze over. I'm talking about technology. I am assuming that they need an app without really doing any questions. Because, hey, they agreed to meet with me about an app, right? They're going to buy an app. <laughs> so simple. And after 10 minutes, they say, David, we don't need an app. All of our technology providers, and these guys were benefits brokers, all of our technology providers provide the, the tech we need to give to our customers. We're not going to spend X dollars on an app. However, would you be interested in talking to us about how you might coach our sales team? So I'm not sure that's funny, but <laughs> it's, it's funny because I felt like an idiot, um, foot in mouth, thinking I'm going to sell these guys you know, a really expensive app, make all this commission, and it turned into uh, kind of, I, I, they, they turned the tables on me and hired me as a sales consultant. Well, I mean, it's a lot better turnout than it could have been, right? I mean, anytime you walk in with assumptions, it, it gets really dangerous. Yes. So I've learned not to assume. Um, it was a lesson. Uh, I know you, you asked for something funny. It was more enlightening of maybe ask questions and see what the customer needs before you go in there and, and beat your chest like an 800-pound gorilla and assume that you know what the prospect needs without asking some, some diagnostic questions. 
Yeah. Well, and it's, I mean, Hey, it's what keeps us in business, right? Because most sales reps don't do that. And I'm, I've always wondered why maybe it's fear. Maybe it's just lack of preparation, but that concept, Hey, I want to talk to you about my product and my features and my benefits. And you haven't even asked a question to know if they really give a crap or not. Yeah. And I think I may have heard it on, on one of our podcasts or, or someone said it to me recently. There's, you know, salespeople have two types of either speaking or listening. They are, they like to speak and then they like to wait to speak. <laughs> so this was more of let's just listen listen right. to what the problems are and i might have a solution i might not but at least i know what your struggles are what your challenges are what your business issues are and maybe i can solve them excellent so it was an eye-opener for me imagine your board sets a target of 20 percent revenue growth in 18 months so something will have to change with your sales team how do you beat your target Value Prime Solutions can help ensure your managers and reps are leveraging a sales framework that focuses on value, not price. Don't assume you have it all figured out. Don't wait until it's too late. Visit valueprimesolutions.com and let them help. Excellent. All right. So speaking of listening, what are the three things that you think revenue executives need to hear today that for, for whatever reason they aren't hearing, they're, maybe they're ignoring or they're just missing? What would be the first one? I think number one for me, and I've always tried to do this myself, I've always tried to teach this, um, because I think at the beginning of my career, I'll, I'll get to that in a second, I heard somebody that I, would, I said, I'd never want to be that guy, is, <laughs> I think, and I think this needs to flow downhill from the chief revenue officer, SVP of sales, or whatever it is, but teach your team to be likable and humble. Nobody wants to buy from somebody that is not likable, you know, unless you're in a desert and they're selling you water, you'll pay anything, <laughs> right. and that guy doesn't have to be likable. But I remember in my career, I was, uh, I think I had, didn't even have a cube. I had a third of a cube. <laughs> and I would listen to this, this gentleman who, uh, who's still a friend today. I won't name any names. But he would basically say, hey, this is uh, so-and-so from so-and-so. Can you buy my stuff? And it wasn't that, that bad, but it was, I don't want to be that guy who doesn't care about how you're doing on the other end of the line, doesn't want to develop a relationship, and is not very likable and certainly not humble. So that's number one for me. I think if reps are likable and humble, it's easier to develop that foundational relationship. And you'll get a chance to talk about your solutions. But if they're not likable and not humble, you're fighting an uphill battle. Yeah, and that's a tough challenge. That's a tough challenge for revenue executives, especially with teams at scale, right? But it is critical, without a doubt. I would agree. Um, number two is I think you have to create a great culture. The days of the boiler room atmosphere of pounding the phones and, and looking at specific metrics without having a, a great place to work, without recognizing certain things that might not be, um, you know, a huge enterprise sale. But if you have that culture and people want to come to work, uh, I remember one of my early positions, uh, I saw a guy that wouldn't take the elevator. Uh -oh. And he said, I'm so excited to come to work. I run up three flights of stairs to get to my desk. And that's, that's always something I strive for in the positions I've taken of it's a great culture, not just because you're making a lot of money, selling a lot of stuff and getting commissions, but you love coming to work. It's almost like that, uh, that two beer test. I'll have one beer with anybody, but the people I want to I work with are passionate about what we're doing. Right. And I want to have that second, third beer, and maybe, that, <laughs> maybe that fourth and fifth beer. Exactly. All right. So what's the third? The third thing I think is really important is redefining what a win is, especially as a rep, a sales rep, gets rolling in their career. Um, it might take you, depending on your sales cycle, three, four, five months to close a deal, or maybe an enterprise, it's, it's a two-year sales cycle. 
you have to redefine the win. And sometimes the win isn't closing that deal, but it's building a pipeline to a certain number, a certain number of deals or a certain number of millions of dollars or, or whatever that the metric might be. It might be having a great phone call. It might be having the ability to schedule a meeting or, or several meetings. Uh, it might be getting the next meeting. But if revenue executives want to build great teams, I really think they have to redefine that win and let their sales reps walk out of the office whatever time they're leaving after a full day and say, you know what, I won today. I might not have closed the deal, but I'm getting closer to closing that deal. Yeah, celebrate the little wins, right? Because, I mean, look, sales is not easy. I mean, the whole, the, we, we live on rejection. I mean, that's essentially what you get day in and day out. So if you, especially as things get more complex, if you can't help them celebrate the little wins, that's going to be a huge challenge. Yeah, you know, a lot of it's coaching, right? Making sure that that, that prevailing attitude flows downhill from the top. And at the end of the day, we all have a number to report to, um, whether it's to the street or to our, our boss. But sometimes you have to, I think you're more likely to be successful when you have a positive attitude. I know that sounds a little corny, but we all know that when we're under duress, when we're under stress, when we haven't had a closed deal in, in, in a long time, we sound desperate on the phone. Yeah, right. <laughs> but if I'm getting recognition from my manager or my VP of sales or my CEO that says, hey, I know you didn't close that deal yet, but you're on your way. How can I help? Let's redefine the win. Right. I think it's huge. Excellent. Excellent. Three great points. I really appreciate that. If people that are listening to the podcast want to reach out and talk to you more, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Uh, you can always connect with me on LinkedIn. I rarely read a, uh, rarely met a connection that I don't like and won't accept. Uh, so I'm at David Chats on LinkedIn. There's uh, probably only one David Chats. That's uh, S-H-A-T-Z on LinkedIn. Or you can also hit me up by email at david.chats at valueprimesolutions.com. Excellent. David, I can't thank you enough for the time today. It's been great having you on the show. It's been my pleasure. Again, honored and humbled. Appreciate it, Chad. <laughs> Excellent. All right, everyone, that does it for this episode. Please check us out at b2brevexec.com. Share the episodes with friends, families, coworkers. Listen to it over the holidays, and please make sure you share it out. Um, and write us a review on iTunes. We use those reviews to help craft the content that we put together for you. So please take the time to do that. It is greatly appreciated. Until next time, we at Value Prime Solutions wish you all nothing but the greatest success. You've been listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.